Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that, despite our best endeavours, wasn't appointed as the most recent Reserve Bank Governor. He wasn't appointed Reserve Bank Governor. He is Andrew Page. I wasn't. And I'm Scott Phillips. Unfortunately, someone else pipped us both at the post. Mr. Page, there was a time when we might have imagined this podcast was unfortunately into abeyance because we had more important things to do running the monetary policy of the country. Turns (laughs) out we're still here. We are still here. And... I, as you know, if, if that ever was, uh, if I was ever appointed in a position of power at the RBA, <laughs> I'd be shaking some stuff up, let me tell you right Oof, now. There was no surprise you weren't chosen, mate. Uh, so <laughs> as a result, of course, you now have to remain running strawman.com, which is- um, Which is, which is an online guy. private investment club. Of course it is. That's right. That's there you right. go. There you How go. are you, mate? I'm so much better than I was last week. Oh, I, I, I realized really, after really we finished off- the end. Uh, I, yeah, I did. That was the turning point. Actually, real-time turning point happened uh, <laughs> on air. Uh, I just want to apologize to uh, everyone because I, I did think afterwards, gosh, that must it can be pretty not nice to listen to someone that stuffy and sick and coughing and spluttering and sniffing in the background. So if people who had their earphones in and walking around, mm-hmm. I really do apologize. That mustn't have, it couldn't have been too nice. No, mate, you did a remarkably good job, actually, I've got to say. And you did come good towards the end, which was, which was great. I'm glad just for you that you were feeling better. I know you're still not 100%, but uh, you're back again to share your wit and wisdom with our listeners, and I, I really appreciate well, it. Well, you, you found the unlock, which was get, get me talking about property. <laughs> And I was like, I, I dug deep and I had, pl- yeah, that really perked me up. So. <laughs> if only I, if only we recorded the podcast three days earlier, you could have cut this whole COVID thing short. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> now, now we know. <laughs> There's no force of will like Ram on a rant about property. <laughs> absolutely. I could, uh, we should be, we should be bottling that. Uh, yeah. What's the uh, per- permanent electricity generation, energy generation? Uh, oh, anyway. Perpetual motion. Perpetual, that's what I'm thinking of. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Perpetual, <laughs> power, powered by property rants. I love it. Plug I me into it. the national grid, you know, <laughs> green energy. Yeah, solar. <laughs> Just rant, ranting. <laughs> oh, mate. Hey, um, let's get into this week's topics. Uh, mm. Interesting things happening overseas, actually. And look, we've talked about rates before, and I know you have a different view on what rates should be used for and how they should be used and all that kind of stuff. But um, in, in the current orthodoxy well before before you are appointed governor to really shake things up at the rba um uh i, I actually I, i've got a, i've got this picture of you on my head now mate of you channeling ronald reagan reserve banks aren't the answer reserve banks are the problem oh, very you, kind of you know that is i would absolutely use that line too <laughs> hey um but 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 all of that said until until that happens the european central bank this week pretty much calling the top for interest rates over there which i thought was just a really fascinating thing for them to do. The last increase in US Fed funds rate was only a month or two ago. The mm. RBA is now three months without one. Uh, I don't know it's a particularly outlandish thing for the ECB to say, given where we're at. I am a little bit surprised. The, the I, well, actually, no, I was going to say, I'm, sorry. I'm actually not surprised because the European economy never really recovered from COVID. I mean, for all of we, we spent a lot of time about, talking about Australia, obviously, and then a lot of time talking about the US for kind of historical and cultural and market size reasons. The European economy has just been kind of never really made it out of the GFC. It just kind of just kind of rolled forward in a, in a really mediocre, nothing kind of state. They had to increase rates because they've got the same inflation problems we've had, but they kind of missed out on the economic growth that's supposed to come with it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> 
<laughs> there are consequences to certain monetary settings, you know. Yeah. So let's let's roll it back, which I know it feels like a, an eternity ago. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? But we had this thing called the GFC, yeah, right? which was uh, which marked the bit of a culmination. Well, actually, no, I shouldn't say culmination because the the, the uh, poo show continues to roll on. Um, but <laughs> but it was a massive a massive uh, impact. And then, do you remember the sovereign debt crisis of the pigs, Portugal? Yes. Italy, Greece, Spain. You throw Ireland in there too, and they had the double I in the in the. That's sorry, for a while. Ireland as well. Yeah, so we yeah. had this profligate government mm-hmm. spending, completely unsustainable, and that had real consequences. So a whole bunch of money was printed. A whole bunch mm-hmm. of stimulus was done. People trying to centrally control something that is complex, dynamic, and adaptive, mm-hmm. uh, such as an economy. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, lo and behold, it didn't work so well. And so we struggle through, we muddle on down the road, we kick various cans. And it's just completely <laughs> the most unsurprising thing in the world that that to me would happen. The fact that, that, you know, it feels like success in the same way that it feels like success if I avoid my hangover by just continuing to drink. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the reality is, is that... It, their chickens will eventually come home to roost, you know, and yeah. and I think this is where the 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 Europeans find themselves in with a the the the, the eurozone is a great concept, terribly orchestrated and and executed. You know, you've got a monetary union, but not a fiscal union, yeah. which dooms it to failure from the get go. Yeah, absolutely yeah. dooms it to failure. Do you know, uh, was it, were people saying that at the time? I, I, I only yes. ask that because at, at, at scale, like responsible, respectable people. Because I've got to say, we don't, I mean, I wasn't a, I was a huge student of, of the Eurozone at the time, right? So I can't claim to have been particularly across this stuff. I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it. It's obvious in hindsight. It should have been obvious at the time. I don't remember being raised, at least in, you know, in, in the respectable classes in the newspapers and other things. I don't remember reading about this whole, this is a disaster waiting to happen. Depends who you read, mate. If you re- read the "quote unquote" respectable, then we not no. it wasn't, But it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't in the popular discourse. It wasn't. I don't remember. I don't remember hearing. I'm, I'm not saying I. I'm not, I there might have been out there. I just. I don't remember being conscious of that conversation being had. That's all. Yeah, it wasn't in the mainstream. No, it wasn't. Right, okay. But, you know, I, I, it just comes back again, our fundamental misunderstanding mm. of what money is, I think, and how it all works. And we, mm-hmm. we, we just sort of, you know, of all of the nonsense that, that happened in crypto and how demonstrably dumb that all was, it's the yeah. same kind of thing that happened over there. It was just, just the token in question was the euro, right? And, but it was still completely made up, <laughs> like all money is. And, and it was centrally managed, which mm. is... You know, we, here's the thing that makes my brain explode. We all have acknowledged, most of us at least, that like centrally planned economies don't work. Mm. And yet we centrally plan the most central component of our economy, mm. which is money, you know, and, and we are surprised. And it's not, again, there's no conspiracy here, I don't think. <laughs> but, but again, uh, three words, you know, dynamic, complex, adaptive. No one would take me seriously if I said that, if I gave a weather forecast for, you know, the 22nd of December this year, because it's, just, it's impossible, like a supercomputer or every single supercomputer, quantum computer, whatever in the world can't do that because it's just too complex a system. You know, it's exactly what we do with the economy, which is, a, which, you open up the, the mathematics textbooks. That's, it's like, you know, the stock market, the economy and the weather are the three archetypal 
examples of these kinds of systems. Yes, yeah. And we fundamentally misunderstand what that means. You can't predict it. It's not like, oh, that person just wasn't smart enough. Or if only we knew that you you can't know. You can't know. And and yet we we have the hubris to believe that we can. And and when we tinker with the best of intentions, we tend to make things far, far, far worse. And you know, I, 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 we are. Who was it who said that history is just one damn thing after another? And and you can't understand the year twenty twenty three without understanding what twenty twenty two and twenty twenty one. You know, you've got to go back. Everything leads on from something else. Yeah. Yep. We're dealing with stuff now that are results of COVID. We're before that we we're dealing with stuff that resulted from, you know, the, the, the Eurozone crisis. We're dealing with stuff that happened in the GFC. We're dealing with stuff that goes all the way back, frankly, to, to the dot-com boost and uh, bust, sorry. And, and then before that, you know, there, there are there, – do you remember when – who was it the uh, exchequer of the UK was saying that – was it Gordon Brown said that we've now solved the economic cycle? <laughs> Probably. Do you, do you remember that? Inflation was supposed to be dead too. We, oh, that's right. Inflation's dead. We've, yep. we've conquered the economic yep. cycle. Yeah, yeah. Now – that is the that, height of hubris. To, to be fair, I, I may not have heard about the uh, the eurozone criticisms. That was always stupidity. It was, but, but it, as soon as you as soon as you say something cyclical is is, is not cyclical anymore, that they, that should be that should have warning signs on the front and back. There should be blaring, oh my you know, sounds, sirens, the whole the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. I mean, and it's where I cut low some slack. You know, everyone's yeah. loved to put the boot into him. He's 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 only he's only. Floor was probably a big flaw. Was was the hubris to think you can actually do anything oh, and get it, get it right? You know, yeah, and, and and we For, all look at yeah. How, how, how did you get it wrong? It's like, well, you're giving the guy an impossible <laughs> right. task. He yeah. can't do it. No one can do it. And anyone who does do it gets lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like day trading, right? Like, okay, show me someone who's successful, and I'll show you someone who got very lucky and someone who won't be able to repeat it. You know, do you know what? Though? I think Over- it's worse than that, mate. I think I think it's worse than that because it's not so much that he got they get lucky when they're right. It's they're right only when circumstances do what they normally do. Yep. You know, they, if, if you're a forecaster, your best, your best bet, we talked about stock, forecasting the stock market before. Your best bet is to forecast the average because generally speaking, you're going to be pretty close most of the time. And when you're yep. out, so is everybody else going to be. Yep. So it's one of That's those things about, right. So when, I, when I'm roughly right, we're all roughly right. Look, I'm a genius. When I'm yep. wrong, yeah, but everyone else was wrong. We couldn't have foreseen that. It's like, yep. well, if you can't foresee something, that makes a folly of trying to forecast in the first that's exactly the point right but you get yep. away with it by saying you know oh I can be going to be between 2 and 3% okay and it will be most of the time it will be exactly that so yep. if you're unlucky enough to be reserve bank governor when circumstances go for not know your actions but circumstances is different it would have been Bernie Fraser or Ian McFarlane or, or Glenn Stevens before him in yep. the same situation they would have made exactly the same mis- I would, I'm, I'm pretty confident saying they'll make exactly the same mistakes not because they're idiots because, as you say, things are, are by definition unforecastable. They're unknowable. So you only, you only are, quotes right when circumstances don't make you look silly rather than the other way around. There's a really good, uh, this goes back a while, but there was a study done in terms of if you want to be the most accurate weather forecaster, yeah. just repeat what happened today. <laughs> That's brilliant. Because to see, there's, a bit of, there's a bit of momentum in things, you know? Yeah. So it's just yeah. like, if it was sunny and 32 today, mm-hmm. go with sunny and 32 tomorrow. You'll be more accurate than, than <laughs> some right. of the more accurate models. You're not all the time, but yeah, more, yeah, more yeah. accurate sort of overall. This That's is the fun. nonsense of giving uh, low the boot, right? Because the government needed to scapegoat someone. They mm. needed to, to point the finger and blame. And guess what? They've replaced him with someone who is cut from exactly the same cloth. 
a career bureaucrat who spent her entire career within the RBA who would have made the exact same decisions and is going to do exactly what Lowe would have done, more or less, you know. Uh, that is, and, and to think that, okay, now we're okay. We've got someone new. Mm. And then she'll inevitably make mistakes because <laughs> how do you not? And correct, then, correct. And then we'll, everyone will yep. point the finger and get angry yep. and, then, and then we'll replace them. And it, it's a circus. It's an absolute circus, which is why I'm really hardcore on, on some of these things. I just yeah, – yeah. we – we, it, it is a, the pollies love it, right? They love it because otherwise we would have, they would be wearing the blame for absolutely uh, very poor fiscal decisions, mm. very poor structural uh, conditions within the budget and stuff. And, and, you know, which guess what has a consequence mm. and, and it's just so much better to sort of point to someone else and say, ah, oh, look at that. It's all right. We'll, we'll fire them and we'll get, we'll put someone else on the board and we'll do this and we'll do that. And, and we all feel a bit better about ourselves and, you know, it, it, it continues to roll on. So yeah, yeah. It, 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 is, it, is such a, it is such a difficult argument to make because it is, feels as though it has always been thus. And the answer, the next scenario is, well, what would you do? Is if there is some solution, there, there are some things that we feel, I think, as humans, well, if we just did this, we could solve all of the world's problems. Yeah. And I, I think that there are some things that are just unsolvable and will always be unsolvable. In other words, there will always be unknown unknowns. There will always be the black swans. Yeah. And that is just how it is. So we, 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 my, my stance would be is, you know, um, pre preparation over prediction, right? Like that is, yes. that is, that's, that's, I would build anti-fragility, yes. anti-fragility yes. into the system, robustness. So we were chatting off air about, you know, the just-in-time delivery mm -hmm. and all the things that happen mm -hmm. with supply chain disruptions and how people manage their inventories. It was just optimized within an inch of its life, yeah. which was yeah. brilliant as long as nothing with no hiccups or speed bumps. <laughs> was, yeah. And, you know, it's like, guess what? There was. Yeah. And yes. I, okay, did we know it was going to be in, in 2020 and that it was going to mm -hmm. be in the form of a global pandemic? No, but it was, yeah. it was always going to be something that happened. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, resiliency is what we need. And resiliency comes at the cost of a small degree of inefficiency. Mm. And that's okay. That's totally okay, right? right? And, yeah. and um, so anyway, it's, it's, it, it's no one has this conversation, um, I don't think, out in, in the mainstream. And, and we just can't get beyond the, Oh, what this means for my home loan. That that's as yeah. deep as we get in this yeah. country and, and around the world. And it's it's myopic, it's shallow, it's frustrating. What if you have any thoughts on that, Andrew? I so so serious thoughts on it. Can I can I take a slight tangent from that, mate? I um you talk about you talk about the fragility of of the systems where just in time is right. And I think that's I think and this is where I want to come back to the, this is the investing takeaway, honestly, from all of this, is that we, I wonder whether I wonder whether our, our countries, our systems, our companies, our orders are getting a little bit too big. Um, I, I remember reading Good to Great. I'm sure you have too. When they about 3M, the, the the business that's kind of this massive now conglomerate of just lots of cool oh, things. Oh yes, it was originally Minnesota mining and manufacturing or something. Now it's you know Scotch tape and uh, um, post notes, all that kind of stuff and everything yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. They they actually when they when the company or they used to anyway. When the book was written, when a company gets to 300 people or so in size, they devolve it. They hive it off. Love it. And their, their idea is, look, you know, yes, there are efficiencies from centralizing HR or payroll or finance or whatever. But there are massive dis, dis economies because you get bureaucracy and you get stultifying kind of processes and that kind of thing. And they, to their view, 300 people, at least at the time, was the right number. 
And I say that for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I don't know if I said last week or not, I certainly said on Twitter during the week, that I'm dealing with an insurance company right now who is doing an absolutely terrible job of dealing with my insurance claim. And it's actually nobody's fault. And so, the, he, he, and here's what I mean about size, right? So is it efficient? Yes. Why is it efficient? Because when I call, I don't have to speak to one person. My, my details are on the system everywhere. And so as long as everything works perfectly, which is to your point, this thing works perfectly because I lodge a claim. It's all there for everyone. Anyone who accesses the computer can open it and see what's going on. They can answer my question. They can organize a trade. It gets done. Except when things go wrong and you have a conversation with someone that doesn't get resolved, the next time you speak, it's to somebody else. The next time you speak to somebody else. And as I said, in 99% of cases, this is probably fantastically efficient for the company and for policyholders. And it probably gets premiums lower than they would otherwise be. If it doesn't work, then it all goes completely belly up because you can't resolve it. And so then taking that to, as you said, just in time or the pandemic, we only had so much PPE because we kind of went, well, it's surely how much we probably will need. And someone, some bean counter somewhere years ago said, let's have a little bit less and it costs too much to keep it. We've got to replace it if, it if it degrades or deteriorates or whatever else happens. And so you kind of roll that forward and you end up with exactly this sort of situation. And I think, again, so then back to investors, if you're a farmer, and you were you were you were growing wheat, right? You're growing wheat to, to cover yourself for a year till the next crop was due. You wouldn't say, "Oh, you know what? I can probably make the silo just a little bit smaller because <laughs> normally, most of the time, it's okay. I mean, one mm. year in ten or one year in a hundred, we'll starve, but the other rest of time we'll be fine. You just yep. you, there was no there's no circumstance in which you would take that deal. And I think the disconnection of decision from consequence, both in terms of the people, the time, the systems, the processes. I'm all for efficiency. Don't get me wrong. But that lack of redundancy, you know, I, I've got an example of, sorry, it's a little bit of a rant, but it's, it goes, it's going in a direction. It's relatively, uh, relatively methodical. Um, you know, th- when you take that out, you lose the ability to really understand. I think that's what the insurance company, the people at the insurance company probably think they're doing a great job. There's no one to see my problems and deal with them because the system isn't, gen- isn't created. And I don't think it's even that cynical. Just, someone in some office somewhere has said, hey, we can deal with this stuff. Yeah, there might be some problems, but it'll be okay. We'll be fine. You know, and there's no one to, to refer this to or to solve the problem. If they solve the problem, they'll fix my issue, but the system will never get resolved because there's nothing, there's no systemic kind of overview of the system. So it's one of those things where the disparate parts tend yep. to roughly work together. Yep. Um, now take it back to, to, you know, investing. This is where the, you know, the, the silo for winter thing really comes to the fore. Do you want to be just probably okay if everything just works out well? At a, at a human level, we all say, no, that'd be crazy. Of course, I wouldn't just assume everything's going to be okay. Never bother taking any actions just in case things don't work out as well as I want. But systemically, I think the further we get away from each part of the system, the, the more people, the bigger, the larger, the more interactive, whatever, they, there's real benefits from that. But losing yep. redundancy is a problem. So here's my, here's my last anecdote, and I'll let you get in. In Queensland, during the, during the, uh, during the pandemic, or the worst of it, they, they built some more quarantine facilities, right? And... Now the pandemic is over. People say, "How what a waste it was!" And they're selling off the quarantine facilities, <laughs> and I just think there is no more, you know. And it was politically unpopular because politicians are idiots and and you know nutbags and nutbags. But the idea that just so there wasn't any quarantine. We used to have one in in Sydney, right? It was on North Head. We literally had a quarantine station. They flogged it off because who needs a quarantine station? Queensland says, "Ah, oh, we should build quarantine stations." They do it. The pandemic finishes. Oh, thank God, we can sell that thing. I will never need that again. And you just think. Have we literally, this is during the pandemic that I was selling it off. Have we learned absolutely nothing from yeah. this entire exercise? It just drove me bananas. Anyway, that was no, a lot of a lot of me talking, mate. No, we haven't. We haven't learned a thing. Um, <laughs> uh, here, here's a, here's a um, I think is an, an interesting juxtaposition. So let's look at Coca-Cola, the US Coke, yeah. um, KO is the ticker. Yes. 
Hundred year old company plus. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. gushes cash flow. Too, I want to say actually, G- gushes cash flow. Like you yep. wouldn't believe, yep. right? Yep. Even even with all like the rising sugar epidemic and the rest yeah. of it, they're in pretty rude good health. Yep. This company has forty billion dollars of debt on the balance sheet. What? Why? <laughs> Why does a company that old need yeah, debt for? Yeah, yeah. Actually, why does a company like that even need to be listed for? Mm-hmm. Think about it. And and what you do, it is a consequence and a symptom of the financial engineering and right. the rent-seeking middlemen getting involved yeah. and saying, oh, it'd be more efficient if you did this and rah, 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 and we can optimize for that. And, rah. and it's sort of like there, there's a logic to it. But it's 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 very much trying to juice yeah. and optimize for short term perception rather than long term resilience. Yeah. A company like that should have a huge treasury mm. that makes them incredibly bulletproof. Let yeah. me let me let me contrast that with Harvard to to pick an example <laughs> here. Um, an incredibly huge endowment. Right. So universities do they get hit by COVID? Yep. Did they jump up and down and demand handouts? Yeah. <laughs> of course they did. Course did they it. need to? Yep. Yep. Nope. Because they've got literally, gosh knows how big the endowment is, billions surely. <laughs> and it's, it's incredibly inefficient. Mm. But that is an institution that will outlast all others. Mm. Be- because they're, 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 they are subject to different incentives, different expectations from the market. And as a as a uh, as, as an academic institution, it's just seen different to a corporate institution. But I would argue, in any kind of sane, rational world, if I look, you look at a lot of the big family dynasties and, mm. and businesses that are, are that are private, and look at how they manage their treasury strategy and how they manage things. There is a huge amount of quote unquote inefficiency in these businesses. Because why? Because they're building things that they want to last for the next hundred years plus, right? They're not trying. You know, they would, they could juice earnings and cash flows with all this clever financial engineering, mm. but it, but it, but at the cost of making things hyper fragile, where you're only one trip yep. away from from something terrible going wrong, right? And it is it is something that I feel as though. It's, it's like with politicians. You get the politicians you deserve. You get the companies you deserve. We, the market, demand these kinds of things because we feel as though it makes a lot of sense. And and companies, you know, when mm. the ducks quack, feed them. So companies, <laughs> okay, that's what you want now. We'll, we'll, we'll give yeah, you that. Totally. But it, it is it – is, it, it, there is a cost, right? And again, we saw this when no one could get toilet paper, right? Or, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> you know, inefficient right. – it's not – it's just the word inefficient – isn't the right word here. Yeah. It's more resilient, robustness, and, and yes. these kinds of yep. things. And yep. you know, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is other than mm-hmm. an uh, an awareness of the situation mm-hmm. and a leadership team that's able to sort of articulate and and argue for yeah. these these structures, which will see you in much much better condition. And you know what happens, by the way, when 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 the next disaster comes along, it'll come along because. We're just hurtling through space on a rock. You know, again, the hairless apes and everyone's making it up as well. Like things are going to go wrong, right? I guarantee you that things are going to go. Some some will be awful and some will be 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 less awful. But but when they do, the companies that have been very inefficient, not only do they find that they are able to weather the storm, but when the storm passes, all of the other boats have sunk. <laughs> 
They're there by. They're, they're, oh, nicely. I've got I've got clear water nicely all put. around me. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy these. I'm going to buy my former competitor for cents in the dollar. Yeah, and I, yeah. you know, it's just like that is when you go, ah, you weren't really that stupid and inefficient to 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 run that way, and and but again, you know, any cash flow you get, pay it out, buy back shares, lever up the balance sheet because that's more optimal, mm. and it is it is a madness that is that is, and again, always follow mm. the money. Follow the money. Who's who's benefiting from this? The bloody investment bankers, the VCs who rock up there in their expensive suit and their oh, crazy and the, and education. The, as I understand, no, it's it's the it's the CEOs and the boards who get to say there's a better share price because the market loves what we're doing. I mean, it's, you, you're right, you're right there until it isn't a better share price. Yeah. Well, that's but that's the thing, right? But that doesn't yeah. matter because that's not what we're trying to do now. We're here for two years, three years, five years, and so if we can just yeah. juice the share price by doing this, you're right. The, the bankers get to make the money. I, um, you're right about the the, the the way the family offices run to relative to companies. It tells you almost everything you need to know. Doesn't it? Can I be, I'm going to be devil's advocate for one second. One second. Just, 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 I am genuinely interested in your view. And I don't really share this thought really particularly strongly, but I, I do want to, I'm curious. I'm always mindful of, so we say for companies, right, don't, don't de-worsify, right? Stick to your need and do your thing. Let me, let me diversify my portfolio. You don't do it for me. Is it possible that for everything you've just said, which I think is 100% right at a company by company level, is it possible though that by having a diversified portfolio, each taking on moderate diversified risks, that it is the best thing for us? If, if I had Coke at, with a $40 billion you know, debt and companies XYZ and ABC, and I diversified myself thoughtfully, if all of them had a bit of debt rather than none of them having debt, am I genuinely worse off? I mean, is there, is there an argument to say that on a portfolio level, that is a better solution as long as the portfolio is diversified because I do get a better result overall. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know um, the answer either, by the way. I'm just, I'm, as you, I was just thinking about you know, the devil's advocate what we try to do on this podcast. And by the yeah. way, listeners love it, which I appreciate. Thanks, guys, for letting us know when you're enjoying this back and forth. But I, I, so I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm 100% with you. I'd rather have no debt. So I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. But I do actually wonder at some level, at a portfolio level, whether there is some justification for it. So I actually probably run my portfolio to that way, that degree, that way to some extent. I've talked before. I'm very small cap. I'm very much mm. earlier on the corporate journey. It's mm. more quote unquote riskier than a big established blue chip. And I fully expect my strike rate to be mm. lower than mm. if I was only focusing on the top 50 companies, you know, with only, only you know, established dividend paying income. I'm sure that I would mm. have mm. far less failure rate. But I absolutely take it because of that diversification approach because I know that, you know, the ones that win will really win and plenty will lose, but overall it'll actually be very attractive. So I sort of take mm. that knowing mm. that there is within the greater whole things that, I mean, I would never, oh my goodness, I look at some of the stuff in my portfolio. I would not be putting 100% <laughs> of my money and I abs, you know. Yeah. And so you're, I, get, I get the point. Here's the best example, actually. I can't mm. believe I didn't mention it. Berkshire. Yeah. Berkshire is a conglomerate of how many businesses? I don't know. Uh, 80, I think it lasts, 80 different business lines. Dozens and dozens and dozens yeah. and dozens yeah. of businesses. Yeah. And and a cash balance that would yeah. put many small nations to shame. <laughs> Literally, yeah. You know? And, yeah. and, and what happens every seven to 10 years on average when there's a financial mm-hmm. crisis? Yeah. Politicians- pick up the phone to Warren. Yeah, call Warren, yeah, exactly. And they isn't, say help. Isn't, isn't that, by the way, an absolute... I mean, of all of, of all of the demonstrations of the failures of modern governance, 
when when a sovereign government calls a businessman for help, yes, you just just try get that through your head. And yeah. people saying, oh, well, of course, business people know better than politicians. It's not even that. It's just literally the state of the relative. Fort Knox is called Fort Knox. When some people say Fort Knox like balance sheet, they mean the yeah. gold reserves of the U.S. federal government. That's that's <laughs> what they're talking about. Like this is yeah. not. This should be. You know, the the federal government should be beyond reproach. This yeah. sort of stuff. It should be businesses calling them for help, yeah. and yet they're calling Warren. It's, it is well, so- and because he's so inefficient, it's because he's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> quite inefficient. He, yes, he's yeah. so inefficient. The silly yeah. old man. He doesn't yeah. get it, you yeah. know. And yeah. it's why it's why in the good times, everyone writes the article. He's lost it. He doesn't get it. Shares underperform. Massive cash drag. Why aren't you paying this out? Why aren't you doing that? And you just think that's his superpower. One of his superpowers. Just ignore all that nonsense. Um, he's building. He'll drop off the perch at some stage, um, and and but the legacy he has created, and the culture he has created, that, that that thing will will persevere for decades, if not longer, um, and it's because of that any fragility that he's that he has built in into the system, and it's just no one does it, no one does it, which is so frustrating. But by by the way, I'm not. I, I won't go down that rabbit hole. But you can't make the mention of the U.S. Federal Reserve and Fort Knox and gold balancing without me saying that there is no gold. There is no gold. It's not backed by anything. Oh, um, I'm just, okay. just going to clarify that because it is a common. It is a common misconception that that there is this big vault of gold that supports the uh, U.S. government. That ended in '71. In fact, earlier, depending on how you want to look at it, when oh, Nixon you, took us off. You, took, I don't want you to drag me down this rabbit hole. Just, is, the gold, you the mentioned gold is, it. The gold is no. The gold is there. No, it's not. Not to, not not enough. If you try to redeem all of you, no, that, so that's a different thing. That's why that's the point I'm trying to make. The gold is absolutely there. As much as the U.S. government says there is no there is no conspiracy where the gold actually doesn't exist, right? The gold is there. The, the currency is no longer backed by physical gold. Is what you're saying, which yep. is absolutely true. And there's not like for for the amount of dollars in circulation versus the number of gold, it's like you know it's hundred to one, if not more. All right, I'm going there. There is okay. no need for money to be gold backed. The fact it was and then it no longer is is worthy of comment. It doesn't need to be for any, any reasonable sake. Well, it doesn't need. There is no there is no need for money to be backed by gold. That's, <laughs> you, you're talking about you're talking about you know, made up artifacts. There's no, there is no reason why it needs to be. We've said before, it's exchange. It's, it's a medium of exchange between goods and services and labour. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Whether or not there's as much gold backing it or not is completely irrelevant in my view. No, I, I agree. It's almost as if something doesn't have anything backing it, it can still have value like... Um, uh, yeah, nothing. Good point. But you're right. No, you're 100% right. The, but the caveat to that is, mm. is that it is, it is it, what it is backed by is the full faith and trust in the US government. Do you know, I'm not right. sure that's true, is it? I mean, in the well, sense Well, okay. That, okay, put all your money in the Zimbabwean currency. Go no, go but, for the Argentinian but, peso. But well, here's the thing though, that's but that also re- that also requires international like if you're living in Argent in Argentina, 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 my god. Mm-hmm. Um watch my mouth there. Um it doesn't need it doesn't like it doesn't need to matter that much. If you and I agree that I can swap your watermelon for my pumpkin. Mhm. It doesn't matter whether it's dominated in what currency is not. Like it's it's literally just that medium of exchange, right? Like it's actually just doesn't need to be as relevant. It's 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 just a, it's a relative measure. Yes, it's a store to some degree, but it's a relative measure of just the exchangeability, if, yep. which is not a word, but I've just made it up of that stuff. Yeah, sure. yeah, it is, it is, it is, and and that's perfectly fine and sensible. Yep. If we all agree that we're going to use whatever, yes, yes. there's 160 fiat currencies around the world right, so right. choose one whatever you like yeah, so yeah. provided there's enough liquidity there it's fine and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a joint understanding and acceptance 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yep. Except yep. we also know from history that the vast, vast, vast like 90% of them don't last more than 30 years. Mm. And the reason that what undoes them is that 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 people create more of it. So we we understand yeah. very well in our game, the equity market game, that dilution is a real problem mm-hmm. for investors because companies run out of cash, they print up more shares yep. and they get more cash in. And, you know, Muggins over there who's holding his original share. That's right. Yeah, just Final diluted. Company with it. Yeah, exactly. yeah, diluted, yeah. diluted, yeah. diluted. Even if yeah. they eventually make it, it's like, gosh, I had 10%. Now I own 0.001%. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, it's the same thing yeah. with currency. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you are right as long as there's no one there in a privileged position to, to print money. And, and there's never been a politician in the history of the world that has been able to resist that temptation for any length of time. Even the US, even yeah. the US is yeah. like, the US's third largest line item is interest. There you go. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and, and so, and so that is, that is, that is the problem. You don't need gold to back it. But the good thing about the gold standard was that it enforced a natural scarcity on things. You just had to dig up more gold. Yeah, I'm so true. So it kept us honest. It kept us honest. And then, and then, so like, let's do we do we really need this gold? Because we're just swapping claims amongst each other, and no one actually ever settles. That's that's totally cool. Okay, cool. Let's do that. But can we just like um, imagine if you gave me the power to issue new U.S. dollars? Now I'm. Holier than thou, you know, I'm, I'm better than everyone else. There's only a matter of time before I think, might just create a little bit more just for me. Who's going to notice? I'm going to dilute the entire currency base by 0.001% buy myself a nice house. My mate probably deserves a nice house too. Um, oh, they gotta, you know, it, it just, it, humans are humans are humans. And it's just, it is no one ever, ever has been able to resist that temptation and, and therein lies the problem. And that's the, that's the one advantage of of gold or something else that has a mathematically uh, enforced scarce, scarcity, which I won't mention. You wanted you wanted to Thank go you. there. You wanted to go there. I just I, well no. You said the gold didn't exist. That's what that's where this started. I'm not I'm not taking I'm not taking the blame for this one. Okay. I had to, I had to I felt I felt. Let's, let's just anyway. let's just move on. Let's move on. <laughs> um, I, only a little bit because. Um, Michelle Bullock, new RBA governor, takes over. I took over on Monday this week, um, and I, I don't, I don't. I'm going to say I don't think it matters, but I don't think that we know. And I no. guess I just, I think there's a great, there's a long, there's a long line of orthodoxy in the Reserve Bank, but I'm also mindful of every, you know, every CEO who comes to prominence and does wonderful things who's been promoted into Jack Welch at GE for all of the all of the horrible after effects of that thing. He was kind of this cog in the machine until he literally revolutionized. And you, people have said, oh, he's a 25-year GE man. He'll run GE the way GE has always been run. Blah, blah, blah. Now, that ended badly. I'm not suggesting Michelle Bookle ended badly. I'm sure there's other examples of the reverse, right? Where someone comes in, they spend their career doing this thing. All of a sudden, they get the top job. Like, oh, now after being a yes man, living in other people's shadows for years, I'm now going to go and put my stamp on things. So I, I, I guess I'm just, I, I'm almost... Just wanted to flag, I suppose, the possibility that all of those who believe nothing will change because she's always been at the bank ignores every other time where people who've been in an organisation for a while and then get the top job and change things. Yeah, you know, there's there's no guarantee she's going to follow the exact same orthodoxy of Phil Lowe. And then in seven or ten months or so, when the new rate setting board takes over, uh, then she'll have uh, not necessarily less power, but it changes a whole lot of stuff. So between now and twelve months' time. 
with with one change to the governor and then again the entire change to the rate setting board which may or may not include current members of the of the reserve bank board i mean you know th- this is probably i'm not going to over it because i don't think it's a big deal or a big risk but i just wanted to flag that you know there's some some meaningfully significant changes to the bank over the next 10 months. Mm. Not, by the way, least the fact that Jim Chalmers pointedly chose not to replace Philip Lowe or appoint, reappoint him mm. and replace him for, in, in theory, views of his inability or some sort of uh, ideological or philosophical difference. Mm. I, I just think he'd be a brave person to say, put the cue in the rack, just extrapolate forward. The reserve is the reserve is the reserve and nothing will ever be different. I just think there's enough reason to believe that, not that we should expect big change or fear big change, even just that it, I think it would be foolish to believe nothing will change because of the expectation of who she is and what she's done yeah i mean i, I feel like i'm just going to repeat myself she there will be change will it be better or for the worse i don't know if it's for the better that probably a bit of this is going to be so much luck and uncertainty in 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 all of it we are centrally planning the money again i'll just repeat that yeah, yeah. we are centrally planning the money full stop hmm. you know Let's 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 have a, uh, a reserve weather bureau of Australia, and let's <laughs> let's let's get various butterflies from different parts of the world to flap their wings, and let's plan the global weather system. Like that is how insane the whole thing is. And if it does, I know you've agreed with me in the past, maybe just out of courtesy. They may be able to predict it, but their decisions do influence what happens. Oh, it absolutely no. influences right, it, but right. in the, in in the way that they expect, then no. Yes, yes. You know, but, but what I'm saying I, is, Michelle Bullock's decisions or lack thereof over the next well, the rest of her term, but certainly in the next 12 months while these things change, will have an impact, for better or worse, justifiably or not. Oh, yeah, it'll have, it'll abso- absolutely it'll have an impact. Yeah, absolutely it will. And and that, you know, we're, we're tied to the mast of of, yeah. of the good ship Australia. With, uh, <laughs> and, the, well, the good, the good ship US too, for what that's worth. I mean, it's oh, yeah. these, things are, these things are entirely, this is the other part with currencies and, and, and exchange rates, right? It's like the, the, the exchange rate, you know, as, as the dollar falls, as it has recently, pushed oil up, we'll talk about that in a minute, um, it, it, you know, that has, that's a meaningful impact. The, the RBA can only do so much, but imported inflation, uh, relative terms of trade, these things matter a whole lot as well as. Yep. And so you are, even if, if you did nothing, you'd still be impacted. Um, yep. the, you know, on one hand, while I agree in part to your, your, to your point, there is, no, there is no scenario in which Australia does something different on, on, uh, on the price of money and not be impacted by what the rest of the world's doing anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but you, I guess you, you got to you got to step back a few. You've got to go from first principles up. You know, again, I've, I know I've said this before. Money is a global coordination mechanism. It's what it does. You know, it, it is it is the most saleable good. It means without money, we don't have civilization. Period. Right? We don't. We have a barter economy, and societies don't get larger than a few thousand people. Like that, that is how significant yep. it is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Despite yeah. our language, despite our opposable thumbs, despite our intelligence. And technology too, mate. Like the, the component parts of a, a pencil, let alone a computer, oh, require- we can't do it. Like it's, it's not just not just size of society. It's just you, uh, we're back in the Stone Age, right? So, so the, the, actually you raise a good point. Money is a technology as much as yes. the wheel yes. and fire. It is a, it, it, we Nothing invented it. It's a technology. And probably, probably um, a, a higher- probably a technology of the style we didn't really see again for, for maybe millennia. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. reaching here, but the, the things you just talked about, we invented, we invented physical things. We made a, a 
if a wheel's a machine, but we made a we made a thing that allowed us to do it to do something a physical thing that allowed us to do this thing. We literally invented a a I'll say mythology. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a conspiratorial no. kind yeah, of non, it's an idea, you know, but right exactly. It's like democracy in a, in a way, and democracy, probably they're, right? the, they're the, probably the three yeah. big ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. democracy, really, they're all man-made, right? With, with Sorry with to offend anyone. Who, yeah, exactly. Oh man, so let's let's Australian sidestep for that. But you know, yes. it's all it's all made up, right? Yeah. But that that makes it feel like oh, it's not important. No. No, it's it's vitally important. It's a, it's a social contract that enables mm-hmm. me to interact mm-hmm. with someone I have never seen who doesn't speak my language on the other side of the world. We can yeah. we can trade with each other. We can make promises to each other, and we can all do it mm-hmm. because we have faith in the money, right? That, that is what is so vitally important. And 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 so there's that. So it's why you, it's why you don't mess with it, right? Because it's really important. <laughs> and and. And the other thing that money does is people get upset when prices changes. Prices <laughs> should change. Mm. Right? If if I've if I'm selling umbrellas and it's oh, a sunny totally. day, right? Totally. You know, no one's going to buy it. And then guess yeah. what? It yeah. rains and then all of a sudden demand exceeds supply and I'm able to put my prices up. And everyone shakes their fist at the sky and oh, it's corporate profiteering. No. It's an it's so cuz what does that higher price do? That higher price incentivizes others to manufacture umbrellas, mm. which increases the supply, which brings the price down. That, that's what it does, right? It, you, you tinker with the money, you tinker with that coordination mechanism, with that transmission me- mechanism yeah. of, of information. Yeah. This isn't, it sounds like a thing, I mean, Adam Smith was banging on about this way back in the day. Right before it became this ideological war of different names for different schools of thought, it, 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 it is it is so it, it's so hard to see because we just gr- grow up with it. We we from a very early age we have an experience with money and we just don't question. It. It's like trying to explain what it's like to be wet to a fish. You know, like what? You know, it's it's all pervasive there. But when you step back and you look at it and you go, no, 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 this is this is almost everything you can't understand society and politics without understanding economics and you can't understand economics without understanding money it's like it's 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 totally. that kind of important yep. and i'm it's i know i'm really it. flogging the horse here but <laughs> but 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 this is this is absolutely the the point so we 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 need to expect prices to change in relation to the the way that we as a collective group mm-hmm. demand things and the available supply that's out there because of that yeah. price stimulates us. It's, Adam Smith called it the invisible hand, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. And it was an invisible hand. It wasn't a bureau of the hand of the government <laughs> that decided <laughs> yeah, to do this. The Reserve Hand of Australia, to use your, your favourite word. Guess what? Us. Cuba's tried it. Russia's tried it. Yeah. You know, China sort of tried it until they've gotten this weird sort of chimera of yeah, sort of half- weird, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. communism, half yeah. capitalism. It doesn't work. And it doesn't it doesn't work for a bunch of reasons, but it doesn't work mainly because no one is smart enough to see every single mm. piece of the economy at once and 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 forecast exactly what every individual person out there demands wants and, and how that changes and evolves over time. So we use this this ledger system called money that coordinates mm. it all for us. And it's a thing of beauty. And when you look at there, there's another, uh, The Wealth of Nations, a great classic book. It's free, right? So it's in the pu- public domain now. You don't even have to pay for it. We'll talk about that. Why are some nations wealthier than others? Well, the obvious one is there's 
certain natural endowments that, you know, we, are, we as Australians should recognize that. We've got lots of great, um, uh, valuable things that we, that nature has blessed us with. Yes. But, but, Lucky country. Yes. but <laughs> if you, if you were to put a, uh, you know, some middling dictator in charge and we had some <laughs> terrible political system and some awful yeah. monetary system, yeah. We would yeah. we would be all in in grass huts and massive right? corruption and kleptocracy. Ma- exactly. it, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, I mean, look at poor old Africa. Look at South America. What's the difference there? They're blessed. Right, they're yeah. they're blessed. Yeah. I mean, Russia's yeah. got all of these beautiful. I shouldn't be careful how I choose my words, but a lot of oil and you know natural resources that they are very gifted on. But mm-hmm. the average Russian is very poor mm-hmm. and and impoverished, and it's mm-hmm. it's because of the system. So we. We, we take it for granted and it's sort of like everyone goes, oh, yes, but it's our democracy and, or, you know, or there's some certain racial exceptionalism or some other like stupid nonsense yeah, yeah, that's yeah. out there. No, it's, 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 a good, it's a good monetary system. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mate. I'm really, I'm really uh, leaning into it. I think it's just the monetary system. It's, it's the systems of governance in general and community kind of organization that work. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, the, I, I, India, uh, Canada, New Zealand, Australia are all, all ex- British colonies to some degree or another with very different, and frankly, India hasn't as much time as other other things going on. But yeah, it is worth saying India is massive population-wise, hasn't hit the same heights of uh, yeah. modernization as Australia. So there's yep. no, no, nothing explains it outright, but you're absolutely right that some of those commonalities are too correlated to be ignored. Uh, and you and combine nothing together, you don't have to be able to do the exact recipe to know that flour, water, and sugar make some pretty good bread. Yeah, uh, kind of, you know, it's, it's, you, get it, you get it roughly right. Um, mate, let's, let's move off that for a second. Oh, it's, such a, it's, such, it's such my favorite topic at the moment, so I do really? apologize. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really yeah shocked. Um, so enlightening. Just, just be glad I didn't throw property in there, otherwise it could be a very long time. <laughs> um, no, it, mate, it's, it's, fa- it's a fascinating conversation. I, I love the conversation. I know our listeners do too. It's a... Um, it's intellectually stimulating and I think anything that helps us think better and more about the, the assumptions that we take for granted I think are really, really useful conversations. Yep. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. You mentioned Berkshire. I was going to I was going to mention Berkshire as well. I am re... I'm not really. I'm listening to it at the moment but re-absorbing re, uh, uh, re-consuming the essays of Warren Buffett which is about the Classic. most boring, nerdy whatever investment book you can read and it is just spectacularly great robert um, cunningham is that no he, lawrence a cunningham lawrence sorry yeah I, I was gonna, at least i didn't say richie cunningham <laughs> I, I, I robert kiyosaki for a sec uh, very very different very different person lawrence uh, yes lawrence came spectacularly good so cunningham basically puts a forward to buffett's essays and then puts them in takes the annual letter since 1978 uh kind of shakes them up puts them back in topical order we've talked about it before yeah uh, it is just so good mate it's so 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 good yep. and and read it. It's funny, you know, I'll kind of bridge two topics. You were talking before about how much debt you should hold. And um, and Buffett talks a whole, it's just, it, oh, I swear to God, there's 85 different things we could talk about now. I'm not going to because it's boring and takes a long time and, you know, we can't go into different, different places. He talks about a few things. He talks about uh, executive pay, which is just fascinating in the context of conversations recently. He also, but he does talk about things like, for example, the way he wants his managers to run their businesses. Now, he is a conglomerate company, so he has the portfolio level opportunities. But he says, run these things as if it was the only asset you owned and you couldn't sell it or merge it for a century. That's the way he wants his managers to build their businesses. And I think there's something really, really important about that approach. Well, I I know there is. Obviously, Buffett said it, right? Me me saying, oh, Buffett might have a point is is almost redundant because it's Buffett. But 
I just, I liked that idea of, you know, him just saying, look, this is what I want you to do. You're now in charge of this business. Don't worry about the market. Don't worry about the share price. Um, he talks a lot about the fact that some of the bets they make at Berkshire, I say bets, I mean that in air quotes, but, you know, are buying these businesses because they want to own them, not because they hope the market might pay them more in a little while. And just that, that, that simple reality of, you know, the, the market can be erratic. And if, if it is, you're welcome to take advantage of it to sell at high prices or buy at low prices or just simply ignore it and say, well, I owned the business because there is a long-term story here. I think this is going to go from X to Y. And Buffett says, we're not going to sell unless we think the intrinsic value of the business isn't going to grow fast enough. Yeah. That's his criteria for selling. Now, he did say that if they want money for something else, you might sell or sure. if there's a really big insurance year. So there's, there's, he put some caveats, which are just sensible caveats. But his idea is, you know, what can I fret about the price? I'm going to buy it at a good price which allows for, and he talks about buying at a, at a good price relative to the bottom end of their range of expectations, which is fascinating. So we think company A can do between this and this. And if it's a good price, if it hits the bottom end of that range, then maybe it's worth buying. So that's interesting. Um, by the way, he's looking for profitable businesses. So it's a, a different style of investing than many people. Um, but just just the really, really thoughtful approach he takes. And I just, you and I were chatting, we're talking about sort of some of your experiences as an investor over the last 12, 18 months and some of the companies that you own that you're saying, these are great companies, but the market still hates it or, or maybe it's coming around, but man, what am I missing here? Mm. And I just thought it was a really, I've kind of, in, the, in our little agenda notes I've written down here, I've just sort of said, staying long-term when the market hates you. And yeah. I just thought it was worth, we talked a little bit about this in, from time to time, and frankly, the market hates us all a little bit less recently than it has in, in, in recent months. But you know, it's, it's a long journey back. Um, by the way, Berkshire shares are about 37% over the last 12 months or something, which is yeah. just phenomenal. I, I own shares, as everyone knows. Um, but it's, it, it's that idea of, you know, at one point in time, uh, you know, you, you buy from the market based on a certain assumption. And then you wonder why, and it's it's just tough, right? But tell, tell us about tell us about your experiences recently, and kind of how you've been you've been kind of working your way through that idea of, I think I like it, I think I've done my analysis, I think I'm right, but man, the market still seems to be missing this. How, how have you kind of worked through that in the past couple of months? It's re- it's very hard. I mean, if you pull yourself away from the market and any money you've got invested, and say, well, what what do I want here? Hmm. What am I looking for? Well, I'm looking for a business with some really interesting potential. I Basically, I, I'm looking for something that will be bigger and better in three, five, and 10 years. All right, you know, that's, that's a good good place to start. I don't want a business that's gonna be smaller and less profitable <laughs> or doesn't exist in three years, yes, right? So yes, that's yes. It's very logical. And once I find that business, well, I wanna get it for a really attractive price, hmm. you know? So, you know, I, I would much rather buy Berkshire Hathaway at a dollar a share than at $100,000 a share. Like it's, hmm. it's just logic. Fair. Fair. Um, so that's all very good. Now, the trouble is, is there's a couple of things, is that when you get that set up, you don't act, generally speaking. And you don't act because the social influence of the market creeps into your thinking. It's like, why isn't anyone else buying it? What am I missing? Oh, I must be missing something no one else is doing. We, we've often joked about that, that great joke about two economists walking down the street. Mm-hmm. One of them sees a $100 note on the ground and the other one says, don't bother. <laughs> if it was really there, someone would have picked it up already. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what we do. It's so true. It's, it's so what true. we do. And yeah, I, and I yeah. said to you off air, it's like, I feel as though some of my companies are, uh, having gone through the recent reporting season, <laughs> if I didn't have the- an anchoring of a purchase price or an average purchase price. If I didn't have the distraction of a, a daily quoted market price, mm. and all I had was the CEO come to me every quarter or every six months and say, "Oh, Andrew, here's how we're going." Mm. Like, keep up the good work, 
Chaps, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> Everything's going to plan. No, yep. no complaints. Yep. Doing our job. Correct, correct. See you yep. again in See six, six months. months. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's yeah. Brilliant. You know, yep. gold, gold star for you. Yep. And, yep. And, and yet, and you go, brilliant. And then you look at the price and go, huh. There's a, there's a couple. I don't want to mention names because <laughs> people, people take it the wrong way and it just becomes like a tip and I just don't want to do that. But you, but you, sure. but you go, huh, the price is down? Like, what? But I, I find it a superpower. I, mean, I don't want to pretend for a second that it's easy or that I, that I always do it the right way. I usually don't because I'm, I'm human like everyone else. But, yeah. but I'm trying to sort of force myself to go, no, no, no. This is what you want. This is good. Buy. Buy. It's cheaper. It's cheaper now. And, and, then, and then you get this other thing, oh, but what if it gets even cheaper? And it's like, well, it's going. Like, I, I'm, I've resigned myself to the fact whenever I buy, things are going to get cheaper. And whenever I sell, it's going to go, well, it just does, right? And I mean, what I say, I'm not trying to time them. Yeah. I'm not trying to trade here. It's like, yeah, is yeah. it a good price? Yeah. yeah. Buy it. Okay. <laughs> wow. It's a better price in a few months time. If I saved up some money, great. Buy some more. And so this is going to sound... Um, uh, boastful. I don't mean it to be because I, I could have and should have done a lot better. But I'll use I'll use my straw man portfolio because that's public and as opposed to the real portfolio. Um, but w- I started straw man in 2017. It's a very early alpha version, so I've been running a public portfolio. Just you know, strawman.com nice. forward slash yep. straw man. You can see you won't be able to see the holdings, um, but you'll be able to see the the performance. It's 12.3 percent per annum over that time. I'm nice, really right? happy with that. Right, like. Well, yeah. That's yeah, I, I should have. Should have. I look at some of the mistakes, and it should have been a lot better. Than that. <laughs> but you know, I've, we've mentioned before, it's been a pretty ordinary year. A base effect is kicking in, so I'm down about fourteen percent over the last twelve months. Um, but that's normal, and Buffett's a good example here. We, we, we. When I say we, you and I, unintentionally, but the market in general, unintentionally, will often say things like the market tends to grow at about ten percent, give or take, per annum. Mm. And and people take from that that oh, okay. I just I just that that's what I will do. I invest in the market. I'll get ten percent this year and ten percent. Like no no no, it never happens that way. One year you're up sixty percent. You're a genius. The next year you're down thirty percent. Then you're down fifteen percent. Then you're up twenty percent. Then you're flat. The average is very different from from the data year to year lived lived experience, and and. The reality is, is that this is always going to be the case. So there's two superpowers, I think, when when you're investing, if you're gonna if you're gonna play this game, even if you're doing the passive uh, index approach, is it's gonna be up and down and all over the place. But that over time will trend towards mm. the mean. Like it yep. will trend toward, if you, especially if you're doing an index ETF, it'll probably get somewhere yes. up up a single digit kind of yep. area. Um, it's just that it won't be that the first year will be terrible or great and mm-hmm, you know, it'll mm-hmm. slowly, slowly get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so you, so you need to acknowledge that you also need to acknowledge that when things are scary and this, you mentioned Cunningham before and Buffett and the letters. I mean, that is the, that is, if that is not one of the key takeaways is the, yeah. the, the, the great lament of, I am greedy when others are fearful and I am fearful when others are greedy. Yep. Rolls off the tongue so easily. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that. No, you're yeah, not. Yeah, no, you're yeah, not. You're yeah. not. No, I'm not. You're not. None of us. Correct, are. We, correct. We, we might, you know, try and <laughs> get there. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I was buying during COVID. I know you were buying during COVID. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Did we back up the truck? No. Nah. No. Nah. You know. 
Oh, I should have. I should have. I, I, you know, what? I even talked about using the mortgage and get, redrawing the mortgage and putting yeah. out, you know, a large amount of money. Like, you know what? I'm going to put all this in the market when the market's down because why wouldn't you? Right. You're just like, oh, I could, but what if things do get worse and then I'd have to pay the mortgage back and the money might disappear and that'd be, you know. And look, I'm, I don't like margin at the best of times, but I was like, exactly that idea. It was like, you know, I said to my wife, we'll put some, leave some money in the offset, won't pay down the mortgage. If we ever want to use it for that, she's like, yeah, you can use it for that. Good idea. Okay. Yeah. And then you get to like, well, do I really want to pull that trigger on that much money and hope that I, I could have bought an ETF and made a squeal in? Like, just it's yes. Did I know? It's not. madness. It's it's it, and it, it's and it just so so acknowledge it, right? So this much. is why this is why the the, the dollar cost yeah. averaging approach is really smart. And this is it'll be different yeah. for if you're retired, it's different. But if you're earning an income and you're saving regularly. You kind of force the dollar cost average just because you know yeah. you don't have you don't have all your future earnings right now. So yep. oh, save a bit of money this month. I'm going to buy. <laughs> Markets up. I'm still going to buy. Markets yeah. down. I'm yeah. still going to buy. What am I going to buy? Well, I'm going to buy the one that 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 <laughs> gives me the best. What that lovely mix of I have high conviction and the price is attractive. Yeah. Um, even if it feels as though I'm missing something, what is everyone else? And and here's the other thing is that when when the market does cotton on sometimes it'll be you that needs to cotton on because your thesis was wrong okay (laughs) right you just you need to accept that as well but assuming that the the and i again i won't mention the company there's one that i really like and have for ages and gosh it's done nothing for like year and a half nothing and then lately it's like whoa and that's how that's also how it tends to happen right it's it's gradually then suddenly when all of a sudden the something changes in the market zeitgeist where it's kind of like huh, everyone else sees it too, which caused the price to go up, which makes other people more enthusiastic, which makes the price go up. And then the pendulum swings too far the other way, more often than not. Like things just get stupid on the upside. But but most people will get excited when the company is the company is the company. You double, it, it, is, it is the only realm of human endeavor where the higher price gets, the more interested I am. In every other economic yes, correct, interaction correct, we have, correct. if I'm buying socks or I'm buying a TV or buying a car, I want yep. the price to go down because that's yep. a perfectly rational thing to do. Nah, not when it comes to shares. I, I, I'm not interested, not interested. Oh, you know, and, and then you start getting into all this trend following nonsense and the rest of it. And we will literally wait for prices to go up and then we'll get interested. But, yeah. but you're, 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 doing it, you're doing it backwards. You're yeah. doing it backwards, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so so just to re, re, hit the points here, you are you're going to buy, and then it's going to keep going down, and then it's going to stay down, and then it's going to, it's going to feel like forever, like forever, where everything is screaming at you, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're wrong, and and that's because you're looking at the price, but look at the business, you know. I've given the example before. I forget who first. Oh, I stole this from a US fund manager. I've gone blank on the name, but he talks about walking the dog. You know, I'll, I'll localize it. A man is in Central Station walking to Circular Quay in Sydney. He's got a really, he's got, a, you know, a 50 meter long dog leash on. He's got a hyperactive Kelpie at the end of it, right? And he's walking six Ks an hour at a steady pace from, circular, from Central to Circular Quay. That's the business. The dog is the share price. So he's ducking up every single alleyway and chasing after every <laughs> possum or, nice, you know, nice, nice. And, yes, and that's yes. everyone's focusing on, on, on the dog. And sometimes the dog will run backwards. Sometimes it'll run sideways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch, the, watch the dude. Yeah. The dude's going to tell you where things are going, right? 
And when you get a situation where the dogs run back towards Central Station, <laughs> and this guy's just, he's actually plotted an yeah, extra 50 meters like, along the yeah, way. Yeah, that's right, that's right. Mm, now, now, you know, at some point yeah. that leash is going to get very tight and the yes. dog is going to get dragged at a point. Like he's either going to, and, and, then, and then he'll run over, and then he'll run past the guy and he'll run way off into the future. Just, mm -hmm. that's, that is the best analogy I can kind of give as to what the share market is about. I think me explaining, the, I'm not the first to explain this. God knows I'm not. Um, yep. uh, and everyone's probably heard these kinds of things before the difference is is that you get someone like a buffett and we we lean on him because he's so well known but yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> there's so many there's so many great value investors out yeah, there yeah. they all have slightly different styles but that's what they share in common that ability mm. to block out what the crowd is doing mm. to think independently to act independently to delay gratification mm. to understand that things don't immediately you know, the, the arrogance, the arrogance to think that the moment you buy a share is the second that everyone else is going to realize that there's a bargain in plain sight and act. It's just not going to happen. It's absolutely yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. So if you don't have the patience, if you don't have the fortitude, but what does Munger say? If you don't have the fortitude to wear a 50% drawdown in your portfolio every few years, you don't, des you, you don't deserve to be an investor and you deserve the mediocre, mediocre returns that you're going to get. Like, so Munger's really blunt about it. Yeah, it's a little bit blunt, but uh, yeah, it's the point. But he's true. You're right. But, he, but it's true. And, well, and if, you, if, you're going to, if you're going to try, you need to know the rules of the game. You need to be prepared to play by those rules. Yep, absolutely. Now, jump, jump running on a football field and then being offended you were tackled is not going to get you. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, you, you know, you're not going to win the game. And that's, you know, that's my, my horribly uh, simplistic way of trying to take Mungo's point, which is just, you know, the, 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 the game is played this way. Yep. And you will not make it to the end of the game if you're not going to understand the way the game is played. Not only the rules of the game per se, but the the the, uh, the the interactions of the game, right? No one no one sets rules that the shares must fall or can fall X percent. But the reality is that's going to be how the game is going to be played. And so if you're saying, well, I will only play if this isn't true, it's like, well, that's fine. But in your pretend world, knock yourself out. In the real world, you can't have that version of things. And if that's not, if you have major peace with it, which is effectively Munger's point, if you have major peace with it and, and can act accordingly, then be careful, right? Because if you don't want to get tackled, then you get tackled. You're going to get up and say, what the hell's going on here? I'm out of here. I'm not going to play yeah. this game anymore, yeah. which is fine. But after that, you've already been tackled. Yeah. You don't get to take it back. You don't get to just say, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that bad. Well, after I'm, after I'm hurt, I'm going to leave. It's, it, it's, it's that or nothing. That's, that's the way the game gets played. I'll, I'll give you a shout out here, not just because it's something that we, we talked about a lot about a year ago. Um, okay. Not advice, not recommendation, DYOR, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, uh, good old Kogan, drink, right? <laughs> so, yeah, go on. so Kogan is, um, uh, it's up 48% in the last 12 months. There you go. Now, it's like, oh, I bet you there's people are more encouraged to buy now. Then when oh, it was God, sitting, yeah. when it was sitting at three, well, actually, what was it? Got to two seventy five at two one point, yeah, it was like below three dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there's there's idiot Phillips yeah. going. Yeah. Oh, I actually think it's a bit crazy. Now again, yeah. I don't have a dog in this fight. I'm not trying. I'm not yep. trying to suggest it or any. I, I'm not. Actually, so I still own the shares for full disclosure while we're talking about it. But yep. Go but on. but you know what a great what a great example of yeah. of that. It, it's sort of like it it is at those times. When you need to be aggressive, and again, frankly, it's at five fourteen today. You mm. could have bought it at four dollars. This actually, this is more realistic. You bought it four dollars, and then it went down to like yeah, sure. two seventy five, right? Good, you, you you idiot! What a, yeah. what an idiot you look like, right? <laughs> How painful yeah. is that? Yeah. Yeah. And yet, actually, you've still got a twenty five percent gain since having bought it at at, at four dollars yeah. in early twenty April ish twenty twenty two or something. And that, that is, I guess my point is, is that that's normal. That's mm. what happens. 
And so it's it I think 90% of this game is you're forewarned is forearmed. If if okay. you don't people don't expect it. So people expect the gains. They don't expect the volatility. Well, they don't really internalize it. They don't expect the, the emotional challenges. And they don't expect what it feels like to have those lessons being experienced over months and years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very true. Mate, uh, I reckon that is a wonderful way. <laughs> well, to welcome finish. to my TED Talk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we were past that hours ago. Uh, well, that's a wonderful way to finish off. I think that's a very, very good lesson. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll finish with a drink, with, with, a, with a mention of Kogan and, uh, and some ranting about monetary policy. It wouldn't be a podcast. It wouldn't be a Motley Fool Money podcast if we didn't do exactly that. Will exactly. you join me again on Sunday? Oh, try and stop me. I'll try and stop you talking about property, sure. But other than that, <laughs> uh, and Bitcoin and monetary policy. There's a lot of things yes. I'll try and stop you, but I won't stop you joining us for the podcast, mate. I will look forward to it. I always enjoy our conversation. I know our listeners do too. Until Sunday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691.